Welcome to Momentum Church. This, this is the last day I'll get to speak for a while, so I'm going to speak fast. I'm going to speak a lot. And I'm, we're going to look at a lot of Word, all right? We got 29 slides today. That's awesome. I never announced that, ever. And so I've got a timer here set for 58 minutes. I don't. You guys got quiet when I said that. You're like, yeah, and I've got a roast in the oven. No. So, but, um, well, this is the third week in our bad lip reading series. How many's enjoyed this series? I've enjoyed it because it kind of is a, a good microcosm of our house, of our church, in the sense that a lot of fun, a lot of goofiness, but then next thing you know, we're going to hit you right square between the heart and eyes, amen? And that's kind of Momentum Church at its best. It's just we love to be able to have a good time, but how many know we love the Word of God in here? We like the truth in here, amen? We're not, we're not afraid of the truth, amen? Amen, yeah, so... I want to look at this third week in this series because when we look at things that are said in Scripture and we hear it differently than how it is said, sometimes it skews our understanding. And in life, sometimes you, you might hear something one way, but it's never the way the person saying it meant for it to be heard, right? You've, you've all done that before. I've done that. This week it was cute because I was trying to explain to Mac what a sabbatical is. Mac's my eight-year-old boy. And um, this week, they're off school, and I was telling him, hey, Daddy, next week is going to be able to take you hiking. It's going to be his first big boy hike. You know, we're going to go three days, two nights. It'll be his first big boy hike. And he's done day hikes. And he's done overnight, but never, ever two nights, three days. And so I was trying to explain to him what a sabbatical was. And, and I wrote this down. As soon as I said it and he gave me the response, I wrote it down because I wanted to get it just right. And this is what was said. He goes, what's a sabbatical? I said, it's like I don't have a job for three months. I'm trying to explain to an eight-year-old. Here's what he says. That sounds like you got fired for three months. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, so I smacked him. No, but, 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 but in life, our capacity to perceive is often limited with it when that's limited, our understanding and our scope of clarity become skewed, right? So his capacity as an eight-year-old, it's going to get skewed in his understanding because it's limited. And so often in life, we go through things, and we find ourselves filling in blanks to questions that God already has answers to. How many know God isn't limited, amen? amen. But I sure am. I'm like that eight-year-old boy going, I don't understand what daddy's about to do. How many times when it comes to the things of God, you go, God, you're daddy, and I don't understand what you're about to do. I don't get it why I'm going through this. I don't want to get it while I'm experiencing this. God, help me to, have you been fired on the job, God? Thank God he doesn't take a sabbatical, Amen. But that limited understanding at times, it does mess us up. So the past few weeks, what we've been doing is we've been looking at those things in Scripture that have been taken out of context by our limited understanding. We try to fill that blank in with things that we want it to say when it's not saying it. And sometimes that, that feels like it helps us, but sometimes it hurts us. And here's the saying we're going to look at today. Are you ready for this? This is the one we're going to look at. God will never give you more than you can handle. Oh, I got folks shaking their heads going, 
Mm-mm. I've had just about all I can handle, right? Right? How many here has been through some stuff where it was more than you can handle? Just be honest. More than you could handle. Yeah, yeah. So that's that saying, God will never give you more than you can handle. But can I give you the truth? Cancer is more than you can handle. It is. I think it's the cruelest thing ever when you look at a mama holding a baby dying and saying, if you just had enough faith, that baby would get healed. You tell me a mama having a, dead, a baby that's almost dead in her arms doesn't have faith to believe for healing for that baby. And to look at that mama and say, you know what? God won't give you any more than you can handle. I'll smack you in the face if you tell a woman that in this church. No. I'm serious. It seems cruel, doesn't it? That cliche. It seems cruel. How many has been on the, this side of that cruel cliche a few times? It hurts, doesn't it? It doesn't feel right. Cancer. How about this? Infidelity in your marriage. And you're the party. You're the side that has been trying to stay true to your covenant. And that infidelity happens. That's more than you could handle. Maybe you're giving the care to an elderly family member in your life. And every day you're having to bathe them. And you're having to, 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 to diaper them. And you're having to feed them. And you're having to run them to all the appointments that you have to run them to. And that self-care that Pastor Amy talked about, it just seems like it's been far, far removed since you were ever able to care for yourself. Guys, can I just say that's more than you can handle. Maybe it's rejection in your life that feels like more than you can handle. Maybe it's death, loss, or grief that is more than you can handle. Maybe, maybe you have a prodigal child right now. Whew. So blessed right now because a prodigal son is home today. A prodigal son took care of himself and went and got some, some rehab and went and got taken care of. And that young man's in this house today. Give God some praise. Amen. But to look at that family and say, God won't give you anything more than you can handle. No, no, no. There were some days when they prayed over that prodigal son, and it felt like more than they could handle. Yesterday was the fifth anniversary of one of our church family members' son who had committed suicide. Man, it was a heavy day for that woman yesterday. And to look at her, yesterday was the day that was more than she could handle. But God, we always say that. He'll never give us anything more than we can handle. That's a great cliche, but it's not truth. I think Job would counteract that cliche when he had his ten children pass. And he had his home destroyed. And he had his crops destroyed. His livelihood, his family, everything. I think he would take exception to that. I think Joseph, when he was thrown into a pit by his brothers, would take exception to that. I think Joseph, when he got running away from Potiphar's wife as she chased him and accused him of rape, took exception to that. When he went to the prison, that was a long time before the palace. I think Joseph would take exception to that. Paul of the New Testament, he faced so much during his ministry. And this is what he said, we are under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure. Did you hear that? Far beyond our, every shout out, ability to endure. So that we despaired of life itself. This is the man of God. This is a man who, who was a man of faith. This is a man who wrote one-third of the whole, the, the, the whole Bible and two-thirds of the New Testament. But he despaired of life. God, take me. That's what that means. He despaired of life. Oh, Paul, brother, brother Paul, it's okay. God will never put on you more than you can handle, Paul. It's okay. And I love it because Paul's the guy that wrote one of my favorite things. He said, though troubled on every side, yet not distressed. 
Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Amen? I love that. But it wasn't in him that he had that ability. Was it because of some cliche that God won't put anything more on you than you can handle? Even Jesus, our Messiah, on the cross cries out and says, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? If you're in this house right now and you feel like God has forsaken you, you don't need a cliche. Amen? Amen? You need someone pointing the way to what it looks like when you're going through hell, what it looks like to keep going until you come out the other side. Amen? You don't need a cliche. And even our Jesus cried that out. Amen? Oh, my goodness. Even he thought God had forsaken him in that moment. In his humanity, he cries that out. Not in his deity. Three days later, in his deity, he comes up out the grave. But in that moment, in his humanity, he's saying, God, I don't get this. Why? Why are you putting this on, on me? Now listen, when we believe that God won't give us more than we can handle, what happens is this. We set ourselves up for divine disappointment. There are people that have left church. There are people that have left the faith. There are people that are bitter and angry at God, bitter and angry at some preacher that told them all this stuff. That Because divine disappointment sets in, when you look at your situation with limited understanding, and you try to apply to it, and you fill that blank in with, you know what, God's not going to put anything more on me, but it sure feels like it. And so if that's the case, there's either not a God, or God hates me, or God despises me, or somehow I can't curry the favor of God enough to get God to do what I want God to do. Maybe, maybe in life it's not ever about getting God to do what we want God to do anyhow. Amen? But you can see how many's had, I'm going to be honest, I'm raising my hand, divine disappointment. You guys know my story. When I went deaf, that was the, that was the cherry on top of the I don't even know how to say it. I, I want to the poop pie. Okay, I'm just being honest. Everything, I mean, everything I expected and anticipated in life and ministry and all that stuff, everything I had seen God do in the past, I wasn't seeing him do in the present, and I was confused. And the day I found out this was permanent and they couldn't do a thing about it, like a, a puny little, little punk, because that's what I was. I had never faced no hardship in my 20s, and I bought into this. You know, I bought into the idea that I can just speak anything I want to speak, say what I want to say. God's going to get me through it in a moment, right? It's just kind of like bewitched, you know. I'm sorry, this little Samantha blink and nod doesn't work. And the day, Amy was there, the day I cursed God. She says to me, baby, it's okay. God's, God understands. God has, and I said, God doesn't blink and care. And I didn't talk to God for the next three months. I didn't. Because you don't talk to people you don't trust. Amen? I didn't. I would, my conversation with God would be like this. God, I don't trust you. I'm not talking to you. Do you know how bad those sermons were the next three months? Some of you were here. They were bad. I'm telling you. But that's where my heart was. Because all in my 20s, everything came so easy. And then in my 30s, when it came with conflict and struggle and strife. I didn't know that was God working the punk out of me. I didn't know that was God staying his hand for some reason because, yes, he can do all things, and he can work all things together for good, even the junk you go through. 
But I was just going back to, you won't give me more than I can. But it sure felt in that moment like it was more than I can handle. And God, I can remember even looking at some of my friends. I had a couple different friends that their churches blew up. Blew up. Grew so fast. And both those gentlemen couldn't keep their pants on. And I sat there and told God, God, I'm keeping my drawers on. These guys are growing churches of over a thousand. And they're doing this crap with their secretaries. Come freaking on, God. Do I sound bitter still? Smile. I'm not bitter. I got better. But in that moment, I was bitter. I'm like, God, I don't get it. I don't understand. It's because he was doing so. He cared enough about me to let me go through the stuff so that I could be the pastor that this house needs. Amen? So some people that come in here that's been through it and been through some stuff, I could understand that pain. I could understand that bitterness toward God. I could understand that frustration. Get through it and get to a healthy place. Amen? Whew, give God some praise. I just want to thank him. Thank you, Jesus. But there were some times in that season that I was disappointed with God, you know. God does allow us to experience more than we can handle. You hear that? More than we can handle. The glorious thing is this, though. God doesn't expect you to handle it. Come on, somebody. God doesn't expect you to handle it. Have you ever said in life, I just don't understand why I'm going through this? I just don't understand. Shout that. Say, I just don't understand. I just don't understand why they're getting blessed and I'm not. I just don't understand why they have and I don't. I just don't understand why it's easy for them, but it's not easy for me. I just don't understand why I'm having to face this right now. I just don't understand. We've all said that, but the word doesn't declare to us, lean on your own understanding. That's not what the word says. I don't have to understand because I'm not challenged to lean on my understanding. It doesn't say that, lean on your understanding. Because there's going to be some things in, faith, in life that you face that it's beyond you. But it's not beyond him. Amen? It's beyond your understanding, but it's not beyond his. It's beyond your ability, but it's not beyond his. It's beyond your power, but it's not beyond his. It's beyond your supply, but it's not beyond, shout, his. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't say lean on your understanding watch what it watch what it says it says lean not on your understanding proverbs 3 5 through 6 trust in the lord with all your heart and lean not shout lean not, lean not. on your own understanding when i lean on my understanding when i try to fill in the blanks like i said that god already has questions for i miss it when i just try to look at the situation and say well god you're not gonna give me anything more than i can handle and it's just so easy i miss it no 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 i don't understand god why Maybe you think all the way back. I don't know why that man abused you as a 12-year-old little girl. I don't understand why that happened in that religious community. I don't understand why. Maybe you have some things you carry. But you know what? It's not about our understanding. We trust in him, and we don't lean on ours. In all our ways, we acknowledge him, and he begins to direct our paths. When it says don't lean, I like the thought of that, all right? Have you ever told somebody don't lean on that? That sounds like something my hillbilly grandma would say. Now, honey, don't lean on that. Don't lean on it. Everybody say that. Don't lean on it. Yeah. Is that what I sounded like? <laughs> Lord, don't lean on it. Don't, what, what that means is you can't trust it. When, if, if, if Grandma Bobby, that was her name, Bobby, Bobby Hatfield Runyon, if, if, if Grandma Bobby said don't lean on it, that means you can't trust it. Listen, I can't trust 
sometimes my feelings. I can't trust my understanding. I'm not going to lean on it. I can't trust my emotions. I can't trust, I can't trust my history. Uh, can I get, be real honest with you? I'm freaked about the next three months. I'm being honest. Man, I'm like, I don't, can I trust these people? But you know what? I'm not going to lean on it. It's not, it's not about me trusting you. It's not about me. Tr- no, no. God, you've got this. I'm leaning in on you, God. If, if you tell somebody, don't lean on it, it's because you're saying, that's weak. That's weak. And can I tell you, my 20s and into my early 30s, your pastor was weak as weak gets. I needed to go through some stuff so I could know who to lean on. Amen? Because I lean on my ability time and time and time again. Talk my way out of anything, get myself into anything. You know, and I thought it was God. But you know what? It was just easy. I had to face some stuff in my 30s to be able to learn what strength really looks like. And guess what? It's not in me. It's in him. Amen? Oh. You tell somebody not to lean on something. Maybe they're going down some stairs and there's a rail. Don't lean on that. Why? Because it won't support you. Guys, listen, your understanding won't support you. It won't. The way you view things all every time won't support you. You know? Every, it just won't. Your understanding is the degree of your capacity, and we need to be able on our life journey to have our capacity increased. Amen? So we need to know that there is a destination, that you're going through some hard stuff, and that destination isn't you figuring it out. That destination is I lean on him. I lean in on his understanding. I acknowledge him in everything, and he directs my destination. He directs my path, and that capacity increases. Do you know how it is when you can see the end of something, how your capacity increases? A runner sees that line, and they're just like, I don't know if I can get there. But as soon as they see that tape, they kick it in, right? I never kicked it in. Just has not happened, okay? I, I wasn't a sprinter. I know it surprises you. I'll give you an example that maybe us guys can relate to. you got to go to the bathroom when you're on a road trip. My wife just rolled her eyes. I'm just telling you. All right? You think you're going to die. Right, men, gentlemen? But if you see a sign that says rest stop, and I don't care if that sign says rest stop 47 miles away, you can make it, you know? It's like, oh, I got this, you know? And as long as you know there's a destination, as long as there's some, the capacity increases in your life. And if your destination is in and of yourself, God won't give me anything that I can handle. I just don't think I get the capacity to be able to go the long haul. But if I put myself out of the equation, and I put the infinite God into the equation... If I take myself out of it completely and I say, God, you are God all by yourself, and I know without a doubt you will get me through this, no matter how bad it gets, no matter how ugly it looks, I know, God, you'll get me through this. That capacity to have your path directed, to be able to get to that destination, increases in your life. Amen? (coughs) Everybody shout, weird illustration. You won't forget it. All right, so trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he'll direct your path. And I want to look here in a little bit a story of Peter and John in the book of Acts. But this is something Peter said. Let's throw this on the screen. He said this, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Cast all your anxieties on him. 
Another translation says, cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a while, you're going to go through some stuff, but it's not you getting yourself out of it. Watch. After you have suffered a while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. In the mighty name of Jesus, I speak those words over your life right now. You may be saying, God, I don't understand this. God, I don't get it. God, I don't, I don't, I don't feel like I'll ever be able to rise up under this, whatever it might be. But listen, he will come into your life, and he will restore. He will confirm. He will strengthen, and he will establish you. Amen? To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. And so when it comes to this saying, though, because that's really how it plays out. It plays out, you go through some stuff, and you lean into God. And in time, God begins to work it out. That's how it really plays out. It's not something that happens overnight. Wish it did. So this whole God will never give you more than you can handle, where does it come from? It came from a bad lip reading of 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Let's look at that scripture. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. And so threat comes. Temptation comes. Tension comes. I kind of call it a pain point. Pain points come. Whatever that might look like. That thing that makes you just, ugh, you know. That, 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 that thing in your life right now that as I'm speaking, you're like, yeah, pastor, that, that's exactly what I've been experiencing. That thing. That comes. And yes, God, in the midst of that, he gives us a way of escape. We're going to look at that way here in a moment. And so those pain points in your life, can you, can you kind of put one in your mind right now? I don't know what that pain point might be for you, but that thing that, that's pricking you, that's, that's, that's agitating you, that's maybe even this close to destroying your heart, whatever that might be, just keep that in your mind. Or that thing that you feel is a threat, or that thing you feel is tension. How do we push through those points of tension? How do we push through those points of pain? And I think Peter and John give us a great example. Open your Bibles to Acts chapter 4. And um, this passage of scripture came out of a devotion. Amy and I, not a devotional book, just our time of devotion. One morning we were in the Word, and this pops out to us. And it was so powerful and so beautiful. And it was about a month or so ago, and it starts to just pour into our heart this passage of scripture. And then, and then, and then on Labor Day weekend, Pastor Marvin preached an incredible sermon. Amen? Be praying for Pastor Marvin. He's preaching right now down at Glad Tidings. I think that's the name of the church. I always forget. Um, but he's preaching for our friend Jason um, Rowan. And um, Jason had a chainsaw accident yesterday. And, and he's okay, but at first thought he was going to lose fingers and part of his arm. I mean, it was bad. And so he called Pastor Marvin. So Pastor Marvin's went down to fill his pulpit today. And, uh, but Pastor Marvin preached on Labor Day and, um, and weekend. And that afternoon, Amy and I and the kids, we take off to go up to camp. We're going to go camp that night up in, in um, um, old Springer Mountain area. And the closer we get to LJ, the more our hearts just kept getting just heavy. Like good, not, not, like not, not bad heavy, just heavy, you know. And, um, and we just felt there was a spirit of intercession coming upon us, you know. 
And it's kind of silly to be in the woods, you know, speaking in tongues and crying and praying. <laughs> I mean, it's not, but with your kids, and it was that they wouldn't get it. And we just felt like we had to get back home. And so we turned around in LJ, and we went all the way back home. And we, um, Amy got into the bedroom, got some worship on and some music on. And, and um, I felt like I wanted to call our staff and board together for fasting and prayer. And, um, and so I'm writing a letter to the board to call them to a three-day fast and a night of prayer, our board and our staff. And um, long story short, you know, man, that night was powerful, you know. We end up in the bedroom with worship and just interceding and praying for this house. Because we know God has great things for this house. And this passage of Scripture, as we gather with our board that night and our staff that night, this is the passage of Scripture the Lord showed me to share with us. And I just want to share it with all of us. Because how many know you're going to go through life with tension? You're going to go through life with threats. You're going to go through life with pain points. Amen? And a cliche is not going to get you through it. Amen? And so the passage of Scripture gets us to the point of how Peter and John dealt with being pulled before the Sanhedrin. They had just ministered to the lame man at the gate and said, silver and gold we don't have, but what we have we give to you. Rise up and walk. That man jumps up off the ground. He begins to run and leap and praise God. He goes in from Solomon's portico into the temple area. And man, the priests have a conniption. They're freaked out. And, And basically, these two gentlemen get hauled in before the council, before the Sanhedrin. And they get just lambasted before them. And and, and they realize if we threaten these men much more than we are, if we beat these men right now, this miracle that's just happened, the people will come against us, you know. So they just soundly rebuke them. And then it says that they do go on and they threaten them some more. Uh, It says here, and when they had further threatened them... (laughs) Then, then they let them go. But they, they really let them know what's going to happen next if they keep preaching this message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so then what we see is Acts 4, 23 through 31. Let's read this scripture. And this will be the last time I get to do this with you guys. So let's stand to our feet. This is that lengthier passage of our scripture for the day. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God. And they said, Sovereign Lord who made the heaven and the earth, the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why do the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? There we go. The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in the city they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan have predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness, while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders and perform them through the name of our holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Amen? Go ahead and have your seats. So in this scripture, I feel like I can see a proper response to the threat, a proper response to the pain point, a proper response to the tension at times that we face. Not some cliche, but something, a pattern out of Scripture that we can hold to. And the first thing is to push past the pain by leaning into purpose. That's the first thing. Don't don't let your stuff get you off. Don't let the trial you're currently going through knock you out of the game. Amen? 
Don't, don't allow it to cause you to get bitter, grow ugly. Don't allow it to separate you from the house of God, the people of God. Don't allow it to cause you to stop having good counsel. Don't allow that thing you're going through to separate you. Amen? We need to push past the pain by leaning into purpose. It says, when they were released, and there's two purposes that we have as believers, watch this. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders said to them. And when they heard it, and I love this, so they've been done wrong. They've been threatened. Something ugly has been dropped on them. And they went and they tell their friends. And when they heard it, you need some friends like this. When they heard it, it wasn't like, I know, I can't believe she said that. Mm. I can't, I, I can't believe they've done you like that. That's just ridiculous. Are you kidding? They took that money from what in the world? You know? Got a friend, Tim Newby, over at Roswell Assembly of God. He always goes, what in the world? Love that guy. I hope he sees this. That's hilarious to me. What in the world? What in the world? But no, when it comes to that idea, they didn't do that. It says they went to their friends, report what the chief priest and the elders said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God. Boom! That's how you respond to tension. That's how you respond to the pain point. That's how you respond to the threat. You don't go and threaten back. You don't go and fight back. You don't go. No, no. You just begin to lift your voice to God. You get that purpose again, that purpose of worship, the work, if you will, the worship of God, that first thing, the worship of God. And they said, Sovereign Lord. In other words, God, you're over all of this. We don't understand it, but you're over all of this. You made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. If he is sovereign over all that, he is sovereign all of, over all of this. Amen? If he is sovereign over all that, that's what they were reminding themselves of. They didn't even go back and say, those nasty Sanhedrin, I can't believe them, you know. That, that awful doctor giving me that evil report. That, that, whatever it might be, that divorce lawyer telling me this. That, and you go on and fill in the blank, whatever it might be, amen. No, no, they responded, their first response, they lifted their voice together to God. Sovereign Lord who made heaven and earth the sea and everything in them. So we push past by leaning into purpose. The first purpose is the worship of God. The second purpose we see in verse 29 through 31, and it's the work of God. Watch this. And now, Lord, look upon their threats. Okay, so here's that tension point. Here's that pain point. Now, God, look upon those things and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. Do you see that? While you stretch out your hand to heal and do signs and wonders... Amen? While you show up and you speak and touch us with your Holy Spirit and fill us so that we can continue to speak boldly. Why? Because that's our purpose. We have two things. We worship and we work. That's our purpose. We worship the Lord. We get full of the Holy Ghost. We get all that He has for us. And then we pour it out. And when that tension comes and that pain comes and that, that threat comes, whatever it is, we don't go back after that. We don't fight against that. We just deep dive into worship we deep dive back into purpose amen is that good that's what i was telling my board that night my staff last night i said we respond to tension by going after god in worship that's the first thing and yes they had the potential threat against them to be beat up if they did this again but you know what they went after god not their own understanding they didn't try to even dialogue about it and try to figure it all out and if this didn't happen if that happened now if i did this or if that happened and so on. Dude, I can't tell you how many times as I think about this next few months in my life, my brain's like trying to figure it all out. There's tension points with it in my head. There are. 
But God, I'm just looking forward to worshiping you. I'm looking forward to going after you. Amen? That's the first thing. And then that work of the Lord. Put your hands back to the plow. Put your hands back to what God's calling you to do. Number two, push past the pain by leaning into people. Did you see that? Acts 4.23. When they were released, they went to their friends. Is that good? So you're facing pain. You're facing tension. You don't feel like you're enough. Well, we're not. But he is. But you know what? Don't run to him without running to his body. People, you forget we're the body of Christ in the earth. And we want to run to God, but we won't run to his body. It's like going, I'm running to you. No, you're running past me. You're not running to me. Because I've, since 2000, not 2,000 years ago, since about 33 AD, when the Holy Spirit came and filled his church, the body of Christ has been in the earth. Amen? Don't run past his body. Run to his body. But, oh, man, when we feel that tension, that threat, when we feel that pain, it's easy to just internalize and go into ourselves. But when they were released, they went to their friends. And so that tension point for me, I'm just going to be honest, right now is the sabbatical that I begin tomorrow. Lord, help me, Jesus. Amy and I, this week, we started realizing, Adelie's married and out of the house. Auburn leaves October 5th. I just bought her plane. She just bought. I just did the, I helped her get her tickets. And I'm looking at it, and it's like Auburn and Australia, and I'm just like, oh, Jesus. You know, and then Amy looks at me and goes, and now you take my church family away? Not quite, but it was just like, oh, and we're realizing that. Oh, man, this is weird for us, too, you know? But here's the thing. When I say that we're going to run into people, those, those, those points for, for us to run into people, I've got people I'm running into. I don't have to worry. i got people that are there for me. Pastor Brantley, guys, is on point. Amen? He's our executive pastor. He is the one that's in charge. He's on point. And what's neat is I did my, 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 my last um, group with them, my last talk with them a few days ago, and I explained that. But here's what's beautiful about it. He's not on point alone. Do you realize Pastor Corey Blair was a lead pastor for almost eight years? Pastor Corey Blair's been in ministry 18 years. He's the next one we're going to give sabbatical to. 18 years of ministry. That man has so much wisdom. I know you hear him lead worship, but oh my gosh, brings wisdom all the time. I said, Brantley, lean into his experience. Lean into his wisdom. I'm not worried because I got friends. I got people. I can push past that tension point because I know there's the body of Christ, and they're going to take care of this house. Pastor Stephanie and Marvin, man, they are the glue. And they are the care. That's, that's their heart. They're glue and care, baby. They help things stick. And that's not because they have those roles, not because I gave them a job and now they're glue and care. No, no. They were gluing and caring, sticking and caring for years. And then they got a title. Amen? I told Pastor Brantley, I said, nobody wants to see you at the hospital. You've talked to Pastor Brantley before. He will come to your hospital bed and look at you like this. You may get a your face in there or something if you know him, but your face. No, but I say that not to diminish Brantley, but man, we've got that team. I know I've got my friends. I know I've got people in the body that I can lean to. Christy, our admin, she's great at blind spots. She sees stuff that we don't see all the time. I wanted before I left this house 
for the next few months to have a place of prayer in this house. And if you go down this hall to the second door on the right, you'll see on the door, it just says prayer. That's a prayer room designated now for this house, before service, during service, anytime. Go in there and pray. Amen? And I told, I'm in the middle of our meeting, I'm going, yeah, Corey, just do this, get this. And, and, and she speaks up because she's a designer. She's like, she didn't say it, but kind of like, you really want Corey figuring this out? No. But she, she saw the blind spot instantly. Like, no, I got that. I'm like, you're right. You do go for it. You know, Pastor Jared, oh my gosh, just the big picture guy. He keeps the culture before us. When I say culture, momentum's culture, our purpose. He's always been that way since we came here to plant this church. You know, he just kind of holds that wonderful line and just keeps that continuity. Pastor um, 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 Corey and myself, man, we're like water. We just, we just run. You know, we need him to be a container, and he helps us so much through the years. Contain that purpose and contain that. Pastor Tyler's our new guy, man. He's, it may not sound like much. But, man, he's keeping this building managed well, etc. you know, plus our kids' ministry. So the idea of sabbatical would be more than I could handle if I didn't know I had my team. Amen? And I want to say it to you. Who are you leaning on? Who is it that you're leaning into, you know? Who is that that you can, can you know, like I said, man, there's a lady I, that just yesterday, that anniversary of her son breaks my heart. Man, who's she leaning on? I know she's leaning on some people. There's a woman getting ready to have double knee replacement. And she told me, she said, Pastor, I'm fine. I'm good. I got this. Do you know why she feels confident about that? About all that she's about to face? Because she's in a journey group. Do you know why? Because she's on a ministry team. She already told me, my ministry team, my journey group. Do you know why? Because I know the staff will be there. But that, that's kind of third string. And I love that. That's how it should be, the body taking care of the body. First string, journey group, second string, ministry team, or vice versa. And third string is really the staff, you know. But I'm have, I'm, she was confident. I didn't have to be confident. She's like, no, I know I'm taking care. I was checking on her to be sure she'd be okay. Uh, no, I'm, I'm taking care of. Don't worry about me, Pastor. We've got this, you know. And so the third thing as we close, and I want you to pull your communion elements out. Pastor Amy, can you give me one of those? The third thing, we're going to push past the pain by leaning on the presence of God. Amen? And, um, and I'll just close with this. You know, Monday morning I was on the mountain bike early. I've been going real early before I come into work. And as I was mountain biking, just exercising a little bit, I, um, I saw a vision in my mind's eye. And I never, I don't really get visions. But what I saw, I saw the thorns wrapped around like the head of Christ. I could just see those thorns. And um, didn't realize it was going to be a part of this sermon until a couple days ago. But I could see the thorns around his head, and they were piercing his brow. Then isn't that where the tension hits you, in a sense, in your mind? Is that where the tension gets you in your thinking, you know? And so as I'm riding, I'm sitting there thinking about the tension. I'm thinking about the pain. I'm thinking about this piercing. And I'm thinking about all the things that are piercing my, my subconscious and my conscious. You know, all those things right now that I'm just, like, wrestling with, you know? Lord, how this? How that? How's this going to work? You know? And all of a sudden, I got a picture of the Shir Ha-Sharim. That's a pretty word, isn't it? Shir Ha-Sharim. What is that? That's Hebrew for the rose of Sharon. Jesus is known in Scripture as symbolically the rose of Sharon. And I could see those thorns, not just around the head of Christ anymore. I saw the thorns of a rose bush and the flower of the rose right in the middle of all that potential pain. And I begin to think that's exactly how it is with communion. That's exactly how it is with Christ's death. All that pain. Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
in the midst of all that pain, he still was the Rose of Sharon. Not because of him in his humanity, but because of him in his deity. Amen? Of who he was. And so that pain point, it, it, we feel that in our hearts. We feel that in our minds. And like I said, the Lord began to give me this picture. And I just want to say it this way. If you're going through something right now, you can't get to a rose without dealing with some thorns. Amen? And yes, it's probably going to be more than you can handle. That's all right. He'll handle it. Amen? It's going to be more than you can deal with. And that's all right. He'll deal with it. All you're called to do is worship. Continue to put your hand to what he tells you to put your hand to. Lean into his body. Lean into his, his, into his people, into who you have in your life. And if you don't have people in your life, get some folk in your life. Get on a ministry team. Get, get on a small group of some sort. I've got people here in the church I meet with every week. And I told my small group that I meet with, guys, I'm not leaving. I'm meeting with you every Thursday morning at 6.30 a.m. Last week we had to meet at 6 because one guy had to leave early. You know, I'm, I, yes, I'm not going to sleep in that day. Every other day I am. No. I'm not going to sleep in that day. I want to, I need that body, amen? Mm. When you get close to the thorns and you feel that sharp tension, just step over it. Get right to the rose of Sharon. Get right to his presence. Just realize, when I'm feeling that, I'm this close to an invitation. That day, we felt so much tension in our hearts going to LOJ, and it was an invitation into the presence of the Lord. And not only did we respond to that invitation that night, we were able to bring our whole staff and board into that invitation. And, oh, we saw the rose of Sharon. We saw Jesus in the midst. But, Pastor, everything has already fallen apart. There's no way this is ever going to get better. It's done. The Bible says that he will give you beauty for ashes. Have you ever had ashes without what was burnt being consumed? That sounds pretty final, doesn't it? Ashes. Death to death. Ashes to ashes. All that kind of stuff. Dirt to dirt. I mean, like, ashes seem pretty final. But the word says that he'll give us beauty for ashes. Let's stand to our feet. And so... I believe that communion is a picture of that because ashes speak to something that has been utterly consumed. seems like there's no hope for resurrection. But three days later, Jesus rose. And I want you to just take the bread out. There's two little pieces there. Take the top off. This represents who we lean into, amen? His understanding. His presence, His body. Not our ability, because we can't handle it, but He can. Amen? Jesus, in Your name, I praise You, and I thank You, and I ask that You, as we take this, that You will remind us that You are with us. We can cast every care upon You in Your name. Amen. If You would, take the bread. as we push past the pain into his presence, his presence is a place of power, amen? The blood of Jesus always represents power. It's a place of provision. The blood of Jesus represents provision, amen? It's a place of his promise. The blood of Jesus represents his promise. Jesus, right now as we take this, we're reminded of all that you are 
in spite of ourselves. In your name, amen. If you would, take that. I want you to say something for me. Say this. Say, if it hadn't been for the Lord on my side. Say it one more time. If it hadn't been for the Lord on my side. Yeah, I want to finish with this scripture and we're done. Psalm 124. Until December 22nd. This is the last thing I want you to hear out of my mouth. Amen. This is a passage of scripture. David went through some stuff, didn't he? And aren't you glad that David went through it? But he went through it with God. He leaned into God. No matter how bad it got, he leaned into God. And here's one of his psalms. And he said, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, then it says, this is a declaration for the church. He says, let Israel now say, if it had not been for the Lord on my side. Let everybody say it again. Ready? If it. Say it one more time. So this is kind of how I picture this in the house of God that time in the temple. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side when people rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us up alive and their anger would have been kindled against us. Everybody say, if it had not... Mm. Let's do that one more time. If it... Yeah, 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 yeah. Then the flood would have swept us away and the torrent would have gone over us. Ready? Mm -hmm. then over us would have gone the raging waters yeah 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 is that good it's a reminder not of ourselves it's a reminder of him in the midst of this stuff then it says blessed be the Lord who has not given us his prey to their teeth we have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowler the snare is broken and we have escaped not because we can handle it no 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 because our help is in the name of the Lord, that sovereign God who made heaven and earth. Give God some praise. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.